You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. All right. Well, we talked some uh, auction talk with uh, David Gooding and, uh, and Hans Wurl. Hans Wurl. Sorry. Like experts. Yeah, good guys. Talk about some values. And we'll talk about uh, prepping the 510 and some hot rim talk and uh, getting ready to go racing. So uh, keep you guys all caught up on that. Uh, also, a little hot hair talk. Matt was able to get his hair cut. I'm frustrated that I, I may not get my hair cut. And that leads us right into Madison Reed, Mr. Working from home, sharing your coworkers and sharing with the coworkers, starting to see a little bit of that uh, gray hair on those video calls. Thinking about coloring it? Not alone. Madison Reed, Mr. It's gray blending, natural color for your hair and beard. You can see the before and after shots. I actually used this stuff uh, the other day. I just put a little... Put a little dark back in around the temples and above the top here. Matt is marveling at my uh, mm-hmm. shiny mane of hair. Me too. It, <laughs> looks, it looks natural. It doesn't have that shoe polishy. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's just sort of nat. That's what you're looking for. Don't uh, end up like John Travolta back in the 90s. <laughs> Ooh, Nicholas Cage or today. Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe want a little more, a little more uh, pepper and a little less salt. How about you go to yeah. uh, Madison Reed, Mr. Makes it easy to find the color to match. And you just look it right up, right up on the website. It's quick and easy. I did it. It's like ten minutes. Leave it in for ten minutes. Not messy. Give you a set of gloves to put on, and it's a nice little kit, and it works. It works nicely. Take it, Matt. Yeah, just go to MadisonReedMister.com. dot com. That's Madison Reed. It's M I M A D I S O N. Reed is R E E D M R dot com, and use code Adam for ten percent off plus free shipping on your first box. Again, that's code Adam. <laughs> Yeah, get it on. Got to get on. The choice we got a to get on. Welcome to CarCast. Matt Crow. it's Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea, over there. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I, I, it's, unfortunately, I hate the city I live in. Like, I'm <laughs> angry at them. Like, I'm... Uh, Dealing with Department of Building and Safety about, you know, jacking out some drainage thing that I fixed while simultaneously not being able to get my hair cut at the sports <laughs> clips place, which is yeah. down the it's in the same complex as the Department of Building and Safety is the sports clip place where it's, it's too dangerous for me to get a haircut. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. They can you can wear a mask. They can wear a mask. You can get your haircut. There's 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 they're really the only. The the only do you need a bio by the way, the I got it. Oh, okay it's two pages. Oh, oh I see. I see. The only uh, bright side of this entire situation is I I think I've ruined an entire group of young people I work with <laughs> on the government. Like, <laughs> like that's the only consolation that they hate the government now as well. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on. Like I. Yeah. The the government just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. L.A., it's like the biggest. And then they just start making rules. And then you just become a subject. That That's it. Yeah. And the rules are, I don't know what the rules are. I'm getting on a fucking a Southwest flight. And I'm going to Texas. Yeah. The Southwest flight is going to have 89 people on it. And the cubic footage inside that plane is much less than what's in a fucking sports clip with four people in it. Right. What is your... We're following the science? What science are we following? Yeah. You keep going back to Texas. I know. I'm getting a fucking haircut. (laughs) I got to go to Texas to get a fucking haircut. (laughs) I love that. So fucking weird. But by the way, they got all the energy in the world to fuck with me and my drain that I fix for them. They're just, they're fucking out of control. The last time you were in Texas were about four or five weeks ago and you went and got a haircut. Yeah, going back, getting my haircut again. <laughs> all right, David Gooding. You should have just uh, Mike August just book you like a, a live show every f- four weeks out there just so you can get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'll just come in. And do like a one-nighter if I just need my neck cleaned up. Yeah. So it's like every five weeks, I'll get a haircut. And every three weeks, he'll book a one-nighter just to get the neck cleaned up. Yeah. And and by the way, you get to go out and have a steak, too, which That's you don't get point. to do That's a good point. Haircut here. and steak. 
Uh, Hans Wurl, who's a car specialist, we've talked to him before, yeah. and David Gooding from uh, Gooding & Associates, the auction company, going to be on the show. Hey, Max Paddock, can we kick them back 10, just because we got a little bit of a late start? Can yeah. you text them? Yeah. All right, J.B. Weld, just a quickie. J.B. Weld, proud sponsor of CarCast. Epoxy adhesives used by DIYers and pros alike, trusted for over 50 years. Available at jbweld.com, retailers everywhere, including Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, everywhere, JB Weld. All right, so uh, we got some cool cars coming up we want to get into. You are driving a... A, a Polestar. Did you see it outside? Yeah, it looked good. It's a good-looking coupe. Polestar we saw at Monterey a few times. It's the spinoff brand from Volvo, and it's a high-end luxury hybrid. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this is a is a gorgeous two door coupe, and I spoke a little bit about it earlier this week uh, with Goldberg. The entire body is carbon fiber, really, which allows them to cut five hundred pounds off of what would normally be a steel body car, and it allows them. If hold you look on, at it, hold on. The body looks great. You can cut five hundred of sheet metal. They they did. They said they cut five hundred pounds by just. It can't you know, be it, that it's panels. It, 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 there's there's got to be more to this you story. Know, what's interesting is we talked to the guys from Speedcore, and they did, in the aftermarket world, they did like Goldberg's Carbon Fiber Wide Body Challenger. Mm-hmm. And I think they told me it was about 300 pounds that they cut. And I don't, I don't think that includes a roof panel or whatever, but... I don't know that much about carbon fiber, but, but I, do, I do know everything. And, but and, not aluminum body, so <clears throat> not. I would say compared oh, no. to yeah. steel body, it's still you kind of picture a fender or quarter panel. I mean, at least as I knew it, you know, back in the mm-hmm. day, uh, like you pick that stamped steel or that sheet metal steel, and it's it's, it's not it's not light, but it's not heavy either. It's just like sheet metal, and then yeah. and then you then you picture carbon fiber, and it's definitely lighter, but it's not free. I mean, it doesn't levitate. Right. I, think I, I can't imagine 500 pounds. I mean, it's gotta be a, there's got to be some other stuff in there that's a little more structural. Yeah. I think when you start getting to the more structural components like hood and trunk lid and anything no, that has no. any bracing to yeah. it, and then maybe something in the doors, probably in the, uh, in the rocker panels. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, trunk lid. <laughs> I mean, if you saved... Well, if a steel hood weighs 40 pounds and... If you save 21 pounds on a deck lid, I would be surprised. Yeah. I, I, that I, how how are we getting to 500? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The, the roof, if, if you saved 18 pounds on the roof, I'd be surprised. What, yeah, that's what's, pretty... What's that's going pretty, on? That's, that's pretty long. Where are we getting yeah. to five? How it's got to be going five? deeper into the bones of yeah. it. But, but the use of carbon fiber... That's why I'm horrible to talk to. Because <laughs> you can't just say stuff and then move on. Yeah. Uh, and, it it and looks good, though. Because it's not for sale yet, it's like they're, they're trying to do some pre-orders and they're displaying it at some places. All of the numbers are somewhat tentative. Yes. Like, I was told 600 horsepower, and then I was told 619 horsepower combined gas engine, electric motor, mm-hmm. powertrain. So they're working it out in the 0 to 60, you know, 3.8 <clears throat> or 3.6 or so 4.0. It, it, it looks and, like somebody took a Volvo and made it into a hot rod. Like, it looks a little muscle car. Yeah. It looks so good. The, the, the carbon fiber body pieces are, are cool because... You know, we talked to the Ford GT exterior designer, and he was talking about, hey, you can't do some of these bends with metal. It would start to get a little too thin. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that car out there, you look at that really sharp edge on top of the fenders. And they talk about they can do that in carbon fiber, but it would be too much of a bend. It would thin out the metal mm-hmm. too much. Or the fender itself would have to be a lot thicker to get mm-hmm. that bend right. Mm-hmm. So they were able to do some things in carbon fiber that I think are pretty cool. It's a plug-in hybrid, and the difference between a lot of plug-in hybrids and the Polestar is most cars get about a 30-mile range on the battery. This is 60 to 70. Mm. They're still figuring it out. Yeah, you know, uh, I tell people, I've said all the time, you know, the difference between some of the uh, stage one stuff or the first gen early Gen 1 stuff that we saw. It's like, plug it in, you get 19 miles. Like, yeah. okay, I can't get to work and back. 
And then people are like, well, plug it in when you get to work. It's like, first off, I'm going to run a fucking 70-foot cord out of the front door <laughs> and fish it through the thing. Yeah. And then number one, number two, the fucking 110 with the 50-foot cord... I get two miles every seven hours right. added onto that fucking odometer. So right. fuck you. But if I can get to work and back, and I can do it two days in a row, you know, I can go Monday, go to work, come come home, Tuesday, go to work and come home, and then plug it in Wednesday night in the garage. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. fine. I don't and, need to go to Vegas because it is a hybrid. Like when you're getting on the on ramp and you're hammering down it kicks in the gas engine right and gives Mm -hmm. you that extra power and then it'll shut it down again and you there's it it's not like a prius where it constantly charges the battery you can plug it in or you can hit a button on the infotainment system use the gas engine to charge the battery but you Mm. do select that Mm. if you want what uh, so it it looks good it looks good it's It's really pretty good performance and Mm -hmm. good whatever um, what's the sticker? So here's the issue: is this is like Jimmy Kimmel buying his big flat screen? It's an early adopter car. It's one hundred and fifty thousand mm. dollars. Now the problem is, is it's got so much. As much as I think the Volvo is pretty, in Jimmy the has Jimmy. Jimmy had a like a Mitsubishi. <laughs> like I'm gonna say, it's funny because every year it gets a little smaller. But it was it was a big deal to have like a. 107 inch screen or something yeah. that was a flat panel TV. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it runs off a 240, and three <laughs> day laborers were killed mounting it on the wall. But I mean, it's, it's, it's probably eight and a half feet, yeah. maybe. And it was like $95,000. And, right. and now I just turn on the TV set and there's 100 inch TVs for $465. I was like, just saying, all every, over the place. Every time I walk into the Costco by my house, there's 85 inch flat screens like. Like at the door for for two two hundred eighty six bucks. <laughs> they like seem pretty inexpensive. I don't know. They're, it's nice. It's, yeah, it's pretty nice. So this is a little bit of that. They don't expect to sell ten thousand of these things. I think they're going to do a couple of thousand over the course of a few years, and this will start to trickle down. But it is very pretty. And uh, it, now when you get into the interior, because it looks a lot like a Volvo, I mean, the leather is nice and everything. It is tough to go. Hey, I can get the Volvo for sixty grand, or I can get this for one hundred and fifty thousand. So it's more about the technology. You want to be an early adopter in the technology space, but mm. uh, but it's it's nice. It's a pretty car. I'd love to see a Volvo version of that. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's the right color too, and it's got the cream interior. Yeah, good combo. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, Hot Wheel and Tire Talk mm-hmm. coming your way. We were able to find the rims, or Matt was able to find the rims. Uh, shout out to the. Uh, seasoned veteran i don't want to call him an old timer but an older gentleman, yeah he said I guess. He's, he, he hit me up he's like i'm not an old timer yeah he said he's your age or give or take a year or two or something i don't remember what he told me two years he's younger oh i thought he i thought he was an older gentleman maybe i'm just doing the rim math like yeah. the guy had it on his 210 wagon yeah, or something yeah. um so we found the rims. very nice guy he was great to work with he, he was he put it in the mail uh the rims have been found the rims have been shipped. They're the uh, Sterling mags mm-hmm. that uh, the, the car, the 510, were taken out, the different drummer car. Um, the Sterling mags um, were sponsored by the car, the car sponsored, whatever. But we got we to gotta run those mags on that car. We thought it was impossible to find. There was some discussion about molds mm-hmm. being in the San Diego area. Then there was some discussion about being able to find some 14.6s, but not 13.7s, and blah, 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 blah. But eventually, this guy found us. Matt found him. And now we have the rims. The rims. Max, Pat, I think you got to shut your mic in there for some reason. It may be hot. So we took the rims so we got the rims yeah the rims are three that are in one style and and one that is in a newer style that looks very much the same but isn't exactly the same so we took them and had them dye tested yeah to because uh, magnesium degrades or sometimes can be brittle or whatever it is so we had them dye tested they passed the dye test so there's no cracks that couldn't be seen by the human eye but right. the dye would find it so uh, they seem to be structurally sound uh, then yesterday the um powder coating guy came by the powder coating guy said he could 
clean them up, media blast them. Uh, also said he could take the detail of the spoke on the one rim where the spoke didn't extend to the outer portion of the rim but stopped in the center of the rim and take some putty that I was kind of unaware of, this uh, powder coating putty, high temp putty or whatever for cleaning up. Um, I think we're talking about uh, can dig it, using it on like welds and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you did a roll yeah. bar in a like car. It's like doing body work, yeah. but able to powder coat it. Right. So yeah. he uh, he said he could use that to kind of sculpt an extension yeah. to bring the one rim out to the thing. I don't think it's going to be perfect. It can't be perfect, but it could it could get it from a 75% match to maybe a 90% or yeah. 95% match, yeah. and that, that'll be good enough. Um, they will powder coat them. They will – it was interesting – they're magnesium, so you, you can't really polish the lip or the edge right. too much. I guess you can, but then it fades. But the edge has some chips in it. So they're going to patch those with the putty. Then I think they're going to powder coat the lip like an aluminum color and then clear coat it. So it'll have a kind of a polished look. Yeah, it'll reflect a little bit of light with a little bit of like a shiny clear. And then they shall uh, powder coat the inner part. In a in a satin like gray, so it yeah, has a make magnesium it look cast, look. give it a kind of, right. kind of a cast magnesium look. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then uh, this sounds like a a lot of work. Yes, uh, obviously he's an expert. He's he can probably get this done much quicker than you well, and my, I. My, but, Sean gave him a hard out, which is basically the day before we have to load the car yeah. So up that and was take the question. Was and then my other question would be, I, I don't. I'm not too familiar with the putty thing. Do you, when you go to mount the tire, mm-hmm. do you, how careful do you need to be, you know, like throwing the rim around and putting it on the machine and the, you know, like, do we take it over around the corner to the tire guy and do we have to tell him, hey, be careful with the lip because the lip is whatever. Now, then again, We've taken wheels over there. I've, you know, I've taken even some show car wheels over there, and they're, you know, they're, you know, it's a very expensive billet aluminum rim, and they they're fine with they don't screw it up. Yeah, I, they're I think experts. I, so they, I guess they're okay with kind of doing it. But I think the the putty doesn't get past the edge, and it probably stops. I'm trying to picture the the rim, but it probably stops a half inch short of the edge of the rim. So if they're in there mounting stuff, yeah. I, I don't. I'm thinking about the very lip of him. Doing oh, oh the, the repair. Yeah, the repair. There's a sorry. It's got to be strong enough to. There's a couple of small chips on one or two of the rims. Yeah. So your timing would have to be awful. I mean, in terms of you'd have to put that wrench, not the wrench, but you'd I'm have to put just the flat the clips, bar. Just to, you know, put it, lay down on the machine. You'd have to, you'd have to just hit it right. I think you just have to hit it right on the bad spot yeah perfectly but uh, you know who knows how tough this stuff is you know th- those guys have done a bunch of them so I- i'm sure they'll they'll figure it out it might be worth a heads up and go hey this is these are patched so we're gonna uh get that going and then get that car loaded up we we got the uh seat swap uh had to change the height on it had to change the the mounting brackets on it had to uh put in uh uh had to put in the belts, six-way harness, blah, blah, blah. Guys at Sparco were nice enough, Warren was nice enough to send that stuff out. And um, we're uh, actually, uh, Sean is bringing the car up to temperature right now and checking out some of the linkage and blah, blah, blah. Um, throttle springs and shit like that. Um, I did want to take that thing out and uh, shake yeah. it out. This, sure. rim, this rim thing is caused a little bit of a whatever so i have to figure out our timing because it's up on jack stands right now um so we can oh, yeah, yeah. we can figure it out um let me get those other rims back on it all right anyway trying to figure this out but what what tires are uh they're they're able to run the what uh, tires are on the pana sports are those the, the tires you're gonna no no you're switching from another running a hoosier car. r7 which um do we have those on the 610 yeah i pulled them off okay i i was just talking to the race director and i was like 
what tires can we run? Because normally they have a lot of rules about you got to run the street TDs. You know, you got to run the, you're not, you know, they do a lot of this in that vintage world. It's like anyone showing up with the R6s is going to be told to go home. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not running these sticky tires. Uh, we're running the old school tires. And, uh, and who's your, Hoosier probably makes 18 different tire race tires for, for the different classes and stuff. And so I said, what, what tires can we run? And he writes Hoosiers. <laughs> I'm going to write a book called, and now for my second email, like all the fucking questions I've asked people. I went, okay, I yeah. said what restaurant and what time, but you just said Stanley's. Yeah. And we didn't get the time in. Now I'm going to write you again yeah. and we're going to ask you this thing again. So he yeah. said Hoosiers. Eh, which is true. And then I wrote back, which Hoosiers? Which Hoosiers? And he said, yeah. uh, the R7. So that's the sticky one. That's That'll be the fast one. So there's going to be a lot of... And we had a set of those on the Datsun, on the BR, on the yes. Bob Sharp 610. Yes. There's going to be a lot of fast guys. Okay, I, my prediction for this run group is it's only attracting fast guys. Yeah. Because you got to want to do that. Yeah. You're not... This ain't the... It's going to be a fun event. There's not going to be like the old guys out there doing the parade laps or anything in this group. This is going to be a a B-sedan group with sticky tires where everyone's just... Everyone's car super sorted. Everyone knows their 510s really well. They drive them all the time, and they're just going to drive the shit out of those cars. We're getting... We're getting what? We're getting some footage for this? Is Nate's going to film some Mm -hmm. stuff? Because we want to show a couple clips or something when we get back. Yeah. All right. We have a uh, Rat Fink... uh, well, why don't you hit? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm going to hit Geico. Geico, and they'll bring up the Red Fink stuff. Right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's a 15% credit on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So, what are you waiting for? You won't find another deal like this. There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Just visit Geico.com to learn more. That's Geico.com. So this is, here you go. This is how you rat fink. <laughs> wow. Uh, the uh, the 2 plus 2 car, the 300ZX, the 2 plus 2 car. Ooh, it's kind of tough to tell. Is that the white roll bar or the blue roll bar? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> no. So who do we thank for this? Thomas uh, uh, Estrada? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. So Thomas Estrada, he's a, he's a DreamWorks Disney animator, but he's also a licensed rat fink artist. So this is, yeah, as official as it gets. And he's sending you the print, Adam. Wow. Thanks, Thomas Estrada. What? Uh, That's a lot of work. Did did we tweet this out there? Yeah. I, uh, when did I you put tweet it this out? out? I, didn't, I didn't see it. I probably, I probably re- retweeted. I think I retweeted it. And uh, When was that? He sent, uh, this past week, he sent a note. I don't know how long it takes him to do it, but he seemed to crank it out pretty quickly. He sent a note out and he said, hey, I should rat fink one of Adam's cars. And we said, yeah, that'd be fun. And yeah. then and then this popped up. No, I I I got that part. I just want to know why we haven't uh, put this one out. We yeah, will. it was it was yeah. it was just recently, like a oh, just day, yeah, day this, or, is, this is yesterday, day ago or yesterday afternoon. There, yeah, still going to circle back to why not uh, <laughs> toss it out there? I mean, I would have seen it before I came in. All right, it's cool. Yeah, I don't it know who's sad. in charge of that, Max Battle. It's going to tag you. You should have seen it if. Oh, I didn't. It was yeah, put yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. your your name oh. in it. You're tagged in it. it. Wasn't. I didn't see it. Put it out yesterday, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know how Twitter works. I just wake <laughs> yeah. up and there's some shit on there, and I got people. I don't even know that I follow that are on there all the time. Yeah. I don't, uh, Twitter. I don't know. They they do their weird thing. Oh, all right. So anyway, sorry. I was tagged on it, and you guys put it out. Yes, yeah, put out. You're tagged. You should have seen it. I, I'm surprised you didn't. I didn't see it. Right, hit it again. Yeah, hit it again. <laughs> hit it again. <laughs> All right. So uh, should we talk to uh, Put Dave? it up on CarCast as well. Yeah, let's talk to the good. David good Hans. Yeah. yeah. Bring him in right now. Um, yeah, he did a good job on that thing. It's going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, man. You know, nice job. I, I, I think your run group is going to be... Uh, it's going to be good. Maybe 20 or so people. And we'd love to get some footage of it. So We're going to do that. Uh, David and Hans, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be an online auction, geared online, and the bidding's going to open up uh, on Monday, and uh, the lots are going to close on Friday, and uh, there's lots of good cars. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm seeing some of the prices, I'm seeing some of the results of some of the auctions, and it, it doesn't feel like the online virtual thing has slowed any of the 
prices down. I, I haven't seen any. I have not seen a change. Is that a true statement? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, when COVID took hold, uh, we had we had just had our uh, Amelia Island auction, and then everything really got really intense uh, with COVID, and we thought that things would uh, slow down, but the, the market has been surprisingly resilient and adaptive, and um, you know, I think. <laughs> Uh, us car nuts, we're all we're all crazy about cars, and I think that uh, we sit at home and try to think about other things and things that you know give us pleasure. And certainly, cars are right at the top of the list. So people are are quite passionate about it and um, very active in collecting. And you, you know, you can you can drive a car with a family member or by yourself and have a lot of fun. <laughs> it's very safe. I, I think I think it's even beyond that. I think in this sort of topsy turvy world, people look at it as a secure investment. I think they look at it as like something like, you know, I could invest in Bitcoin and Amazon and it might work. On the other hand, the car, I, it's physically in the garage. Like I can see it. Like yeah. I know <laughs> what is sitting out there at all times. Yeah. You don't feel like the government's going to take it from you. Yes. I don't, <laughs> secretly, f- I don't feel like know? it's going to be confiscated so, by uh, AOL. The, the dollars or are there. AOC, I should say. Yeah, so. AOC. AOL. <laughs> That's an old timers move. Yeah. Uh, so the valuations still seem to be on point. You're saying like the, the prices are on point, but what differences have you guys seen by moving to online? Are you more bidders, fewer bidders? Like, how, what what well, are you guys it, saying? You know, this is our first sale, so we'll be able to answer that at the end of uh, next week. But uh, the interest has been very, uh, you know, really quite strong. So, uh, you know, I think it, it looks looks to be uh, similar to our live sales. Um, uh, what we wanted to do is have a much more curated, small uh, selection. So, you know, at our, at our, uh, other live sales like, uh, Pebble Beach or Scottsdale, we'd have over 120 cars. Our intention with the online sales is to do a smaller selection, but have more frequent sales. Uh, but the, the key for us has always been to keep the quality as high as possible. So, um, the cars that you would expect to see at our you know, the top quality cars that you would expect to see at our live sale, just because it's online doesn't mean that there's going to be any uh, compromise in quality. The, but to, to go to the top of your question, you know, the, the interest has been very strong. You know, we will see uh, how the results uh, pan out uh, at the end of next week. So happy to come back and yeah. give you feedback post-sale. I was also, for me, as a, as a race car fan, you have some really interesting race cars coming up in your next auction, I think after this auction, or am I making that up? Oh, what is the next auction? There's, there's a, the problem is that we look at all the auctions and sometimes uh, we get a little uh, confused as into, to where, uh, <laughs> where, where they all seem to happen. But uh, there is, uh, there is too many online now, and I do my mind does start to swim a little bit. But uh, so you I, guys, oh. how does the find? Uh, here's an interesting question that I've dubbed interesting before I've asked it, but here goes. <laughs> um, when you have an event, obviously we come out and see you guys at Pebble Beach. God, it's been 10 years plus running. And that's one of my favorite parts is doing the pre-auction preview and walking around with a beer in my hand and looking at all the stuff in person. Um, But how does the economics of that work? Does it even make sense to do the actual physical auction if, in fact, you could move those cars online or... Do you make enough in T-shirt bar sales and, and catalog sales to, and, yeah. and, and admission tickets to make have that make sense economically? Yeah, no, very, very good question. Um, so uh, for um, lesser valued cars, it makes more sense to, to sell them online. But certainly the live auctions where we have to put up a tent and uh, host people and, and, and put do these big displays, those make a lot more sense for bigger, uh, more valuable cars and, and the, the uh, cars that are more condition sensitive. So, uh, you know, a multi-million dollar Duesenberg is something that, that is, I think, always going to want to be seen, touched. People are going to want to really just uh, look at it and, and experience it through the live event, through uh, through our, our viewing, our previewing and and the actual live auction. So I think what I think we'll see in the future is that 
there will continue to be uh, live auctions, but also uh, these online auctions for uh, lesser valuable cars, complementing each other. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if our live auctions got a little bit smaller. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, cheaper cars in our live auctions, those might migrate to the to the online auctions. And then uh, the valuable cars, the multi-million dollar Ferraris and Porsches and, and Duesenbergs and Bugattis and things like that uh, will be continue to be sold through the live platform. Hans, I just want to include Hans here and ask him yeah. some market, yeah. <laughs> some market. Like condition sensitive is a great term yeah. <laughs> for the quality of car. Condition sensitive. I love that. Uh, so Hans, um, What's going on in the market out there? I've seen as a as a Datsun guy, I've seen Datsuns really go nuts and Japanese in general. But I mean, who knew? I, I see Datsun bone stock five tens with steel rims on them sell for thirty five grand, just routinely. Z yeah. cars that are nothing special are a hundred grand now. Like, yeah. uh, what's going on in the in the market in general? Yeah, in the market in general, I think you're seeing a lot of that dynamic. I think that there's no, there's, I don't think we're losing uh, people that are enthusiastic about collector cars, but we are obviously losing some of the older people. And then there's people coming in that are younger. And, and as always, you know, what was your dream car at the time or what your dad drove is always going to be the thing you're enthusiastic about. So you're right. Things, things mid sixties, mid seventies in the low to mid price points, two forties, these. The 240Z is kind of following um, the pattern of like the Ford Bronco, the first generation right. Ford Bronco right now, which is a just absolutely, if you can find a clean original one, it's just going to be really, really in demand. You know, certain Alfa Romeos continuing on with Porsches and things, which have been popular for quite a while. There does not seem to be any lack of enthusiasm in that general kind of price category and the, 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 the mid to late century uh, cars, especially, you know, anything that's, again, of kind of superior quality sets it apart. Um, and, and as you know, Adam, it's really, really difficult to find nice, inherently sound examples of a lot of those models. And when you find one or if you have one, you know, you're in the catbird seat because there's a lot of enthusiasm for them and there's a lot of people looking. We, we haven't seen any fall off uh, at all in the enthusiasm and people wanting to acquire new things, especially in that in that price bracket. Certainly. Well, you guys, speaking of, yeah, it seems to me that Porsche and Datsun are two of the sort of hot stocks in the last three years, and that Ferrari, Lamborghini, some of the more traditional 12-cylinder Italian things have kind of flattened, flattened out. I mean, look, it's the way our world works. It's just there's things have sort of, peaks and mm -hmm. valleys but you know the other thing that's interesting and you guys have a 71 porsche 911 st rally car is the rally stuff i mean 80s rally stuff has gone berserk but just rally in general which is a i would not think would be a strong market because i would sort of go well you can't really drive it on the street or maybe you can there's not a lot of vintage rally stuff going on, although we saw some stuff over at Goodwood, obviously, and, and there are some events, and maybe they're growing. But that sector, that rally sector, seems to be really hot right now. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. It's it's certainly one of the hottest sectors when you look at Porsches. I mean, Datsuns were heavily rallied, um, and then into launches and things like that. Um, I think what we have to remember as Americans is that in the rest of the world, rally is a much bigger deal. Yep. And a, a driver like Sebastian Loeb, right, who won championship after championship in the last 15 years or so, is a French sporting hero, you know. And and so there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm for, for rally cars in general in Europe and across the world. And that's just catching on here. The 911 ST rally car that that you mentioned in our upcoming sale is, is a, an incredible example of something that is super super rare it's obviously really really niche but it's a factory racing 911 which is always a bit of a magical combination and that that east african safari rally is actually still run that same event on the same routes as a classic rally and has been you know uh has been running more or less since it was you know, uh, a really competitive event back in the 1970s. And actually, Adam, coming on, I, I thought it was really interesting because the winning car in 71 was actually a 240Z. Wow. Um, and there's there's wonderful videos on YouTube of that of that event in 1971 that shows the Porsche team and the 
the Peugeots and the and the Lanchas and everything, and the winning car was uh, was a Z car. You got to check that out. People, uh, I shall. Yeah, we're we're big BRE Datsun fans over here with uh, four of their uh, r- road racing cars, but people don't people forget that BRE n- they didn't win this rally. But I'm saying they. They did a lot of rallying. They took five tens and they took two forty Zs and they they rallied those cars. Yeah. You know, yeah. Baja five hundred and one thousand. By the way, God bless you for uh, your estimate on your uh, Ferrari, your seventy one Ferrari Daytona of five to six hundred thousand dollars. Because if I see another one of these things with the estimate of seven fifty to nine, and then hammer <laughs> it out at five thirty five, I'm going to I'm going to scream at somebody. It's like, look, this is the price of this car. Stop saying the estimate is seven fifty to nine seventy five. Yeah, I know what you that. want for it. I know you start, want that. We know you're right. not going to get it. So let's let's come down to earth yeah. back on that. Um, you know, it's always a, it's always seems to be a pretty safe bet to go with things like Ferraris and Porsches uh, for the most part. And we see those brands come up a lot. But uh, what do you look for when you start to come in and curate companies, uh, cars like Spiker and the VLF, right? There's not a lot of comps out there. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not good. I, they're fun to see. Like, we're fans of the Spiker. We've had them here. I've always, always been a fan of Spiker. They look kind of cool. Yeah. Like, unfortunate yeah. chain of events, politics and whatnot, why the company's gone. But... Uh, when do you start to like you have a you have a spiker in your auction now? What do you look for for something like that, and why bring that into the auctions now? Well, yeah, it is good, very good question. I mean, with, with uh, I followed Spiker. I, I, I know Victor Muller, who was uh, running the company, and um, uh, I was always a, a fan of what he was trying to do in, in reviving the brand and, and building this really wild. Uh, uh, car and their, their stylings and sensational and everything. So, you know, when we heard about this car that was offered to us, uh, it just sounded sensational. So, um, you know, we, we went after it. Uh, it's a great spec, a uh, great color, you know, delivery miles basically. So, uh, but as far as pricing, I mean, it's, it's very hard to uh, come up with comps on, on cars like that. So, uh, we look around and, and, uh, find uh, the, the best you know the best comp that we can find and and uh, you know then we'll let we'll let the market speak so we'll, we will see and with the vlf uh course one you know that's that's a first for us and sometimes we have to experiment i mean it's a really cool car super cool car yeah uh, uh but i don't think there are any other public comps at all so uh, we will see there's uh, you know do you uh, know how many of those they were even made I've heard two numbers. I've heard five or ten, and I'm not sure. Hans, do you know? Is that a yeah, Fisker? Is that a Fisker car? That was like the Fisker Karma, but then it has. Right. They took out the got the Mercedes engine or something, or, or, or no, a GM. This, this, is, yeah. a Viper. This, is, this is a Viper. Viper. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's Henrik Fisker's design. I, I believe that it was going to. They were going to make ten, but only ended up making five for for some reason. I believe that the. I believe the understood figure is that there were five completed. Yeah, yeah it's an. It, it, you know, He's I would a few of those things. <laughs> I would argue that you know, Spiker, while rare, and Spiker's one of those. So, if you guys are looking for stuff, um, it, it's kind of like uh, they were selling Spikers, and then they stopped selling Spikers, and then you could pick them up for buck fifty or something because people. It was that little. It was that thing. It's what happens. The, the stigma of failure for the company it's, kind it's, of reflected on the cars for a minute. It's what I would have after I got dumped by a chick for the next year and a half, which is the stink of failure on me. You know, that didn't make me a hot property in the market. Yeah. But at some point, I'd get my mojo back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you got one of those spikers uh, six years ago, yeah. you probably got that thing for a buck fifty, buck seventy five. And. The point is, is they're moving and they should. They're the, it, it's a jewel box. The interior of that car, it, it, it is spectacular, and the X series is pretty amazing too. I haven't seen one in a color combo I didn't love, and you have that sensible Audi power plant, which means you don't have the exotic. You know, I got to sync up the carbs kind of kind of car. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, so you kind of have the best of both worlds. You have this like beautiful exotic interior exterior with this real yeoman like proven power plant that's uh mounted in the mid and felt a little more expensive as opposed to like the crazy 
supercar, but with the $4,000 crate engine in it, like this right. felt better. And the color combinations, you're right, were always good. I, I Because of all the 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 polished stainless and aluminum and everything that was all over it and the and the engine turned you know effect i think on the on the gauges and some of the center console but always the black with the marshmallow peep interior <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's basically the yellow with all the stitching the diamond stitch diamond and, yeah it's beautiful it and they're like, all they all look like they're brand new i nobody i've never seen one that was a beater <laughs> or that anyone <laughs> used to hold drywall or anything. I mean, it just, they all just look like they're brand new. It's like, yeah. Uh, so that's a cool piece. I would kind of, uh, as I was going to say, I was, I was going to argue that you could find a couple of comps out there for the Spiker, but something like the Porsche Rally car at 950 to uh, 1.25, in a way that seems harder to price because it, yeah. it, there's, it, everything is bespoke in that mm-hmm. world, right? Yeah, well, it's one of only uh, five of the rally cars uh, built by the factory. So, yeah, it is hard to, 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 to quantify. I mean, really, I think we look at pricing of an early 911R, and then, um, you know, this is a very – what's nice about this ST is it's exceptionally original. Um, so, uh, you know, we've – 911Rs are revered, and, and their pricing is uh, well above uh, – well, well, well into the millions. So uh, we're trying to be conservative, just like you said with the Daytona. We, we try to be conservative at nine fifty or one point two five. I think it's a, I think it's fair, a fair price relative to uh, early nine eleven R. Where do you guys come down? You just spoke about originality. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, recently the Ken Miles Mustang GT three fifty R sold for you know pretty incredible price three point eight. Five, I believe yeah. it was. And, yeah. you know, I have a bunch of old race cars and some of them are kind of as they were. And then others are there's not much but the stamping and the, the shell left, you know, from the, they're, they're old race cars. They blow up the engine. They swap the engine. There's, there's probably not a lot of a lot of numbers matching really used race cars out there, even if if anyone even knew what the numbers were. Right. So, like, you take that Ken Miles car, and it sits out in Mexico for a while, and it gets primered, and it gets a lot of rust on it and stuff. And then, obviously, when you restore that car, you, you may be changing some panels. You may be doing lots of stuff. I, I've gotten race cars that are just sort of a, a big crate of parts in a, a rolling chassis or whatever. God knows what's original. Yeah, we've had to make a body. And obviously, if you have a Ferrari and the, and the numbers don't match on the engine or Lamborghini, you know, you have a Lamborghini Mura, but the number doesn't match on the engine. You just lopped off 10 or 15 percent from the price of yeah. that car oftentimes. But what's the yeah. rule of thumb with race cars? Well, it varies. It varies on the importance of the race, uh, the race, the race that it ran in, and the results. And I always, you know, and Hans can chime in as well. But but my, my, you know, we we all tend to have our own frame of frame of mind. But I always look at what is the population out there of the other cars that are comparable. So if you're looking at a, you know, if you're looking at a race car, is it the, you know, maybe beat to hell and there's not a lot left, but what are the other ones that are in, that are, that are left in the world? What are they like? Are they exceptionally original or are, you know, three of the four cars totally written off and don't exist. So if it's the best one that exists, even though it may not be fully original, it's the best one that's out there. So that, that has, that has relative value. Uh, I always look at the, the population of the other cars. So, um, uh, and then the, the race, I mean, you know, there's certain races like Le Mans is, you know the the granddaddy. If a car has great Le Mans history, if it if it has any Le Mans history, that's positive. If it has great Le Mans history, that's you know everything. So uh, you know you, it's a combination. It's that intersection of great racing history and originality. You know, and where do, where do those meet? Is is the way I would look at it. Um, you know, Adam. It's it, for me. It. it the originality in race cars usually comes to the fore because it's so unusual to find an original race car for all the reasons that you spelled out. So if we do come across something that is matching numbers, retains its original body, has a fully documented ownership history, was never in Mexico, you know, (laughs) getting rusty, that's, that's worth a premium in most people's mind because it's so unusual because you're right. They were usually pretty used up, and uh, and broken by the time they were done, just being utensils. 
um, and uh, and they were just built for a purpose. And so when we when we see things come through, it's obviously, as David said, a real balance of of what's important with a racing car. But if you can find something that's really original, there's certainly a premium to that. Well, here's a challenge for the two of you guys. Then mm-hmm. that car was in primer, was in Mexico. It looked. Uh, I saw some of the old, a lot of the old pictures they sent us over from the Shelby Museum. It, you know, looked like it had the original rims. I, I, I mean, it looked like it was original, but I don't know if the engine was removed or whatever. No, I think I, they did a period correct engine, but not the. But, but not the so here's engine. the challenge. Then, what if Ken Miles finished driving that thing, in you know, 1966 and a half or something, parked it in his garage? And it has never been touched since. And then uh, his son Peter was selling it at auction. Yeah. Would it? Yeah. How much more than it's? It's not answerable question. But how much more yeah. than three point eight five would that thing have gotten, or or would it have? To to me, I think it definitely would have been more valuable. I mean, I was astonished at the price. Right. But I think any car that has uh, incredible race history and then is just literally like pushed, which is hardly ever happens you know, pushed in the garage with the bugs on it and everything just, you know, and then just left. Anything like that is going to be, uh, in my mind, a hell of a lot more uh, valuable than than something that has suffered from time. But, you know, it, hard, as, as Hans said, it hardly ever happens because a, a great race car is a tool. And if it's an effective weapon, it's going to be reused. You know, when they were, when they were, when they were used as, as they had a purpose and they wanted to reuse those, those, those cars. So they were very rarely just put away. And, now, and I, right. away. I would add, I would add to this, but we've caught on to this formula. Now we love the story of the racing car. And then the story after the car is interesting, but we know this now. So what happens in 10 years from now, when every car that Rick Hendrick went and raced, then he put in his museum with the bugs on it, or like we saw the, the, the pink pig or the flying pig, the Lama Porsche mm-hmm. at, that r- ran Lama, and then whatever a week later it was at Goodwood, and they yeah. did a clear paint protection film over the car with the bugs and the dirt and everything. It couldn't have been any more preserved, and they're just showing it now. Yeah. Did are they taking away something from the after race story, or is? is that going to be the new norm? We're going to have these great cars with these great racing stories and they're all going to be wrapped in, in clear bra. <laughs> right. You, you know, I think there's going to be, yeah, definitely a little bit of a new norm. And I, I think the other thing that we we're going to have to look out for more so than uh, previously, because people uh, realize this now is faux patinas and faux, faux restorations where, Oh, look it, you know, look, it is just as it left the racetrack. So you're going to have to, in the future, look, watch out for these things uh, more so than um, than in the past when when the cars were were equipment and they just got used up. Well, it's gonna it's gonna limit, you know, it's gonna limit the history. I mean, technology is going to limit the history as well. But I'm I'm thinking of my Paul Newman Porsche 935, and it's like that car won its class at Le Mans, and then they went right out went out and won Daytona and Sebring after that and went back to Le Mans four other times or three more times or whatever. Right. In today's world, that car would have left Le Mans with Newman's name on it and got the clear bra on it and got parked at the Peterson, right? So it would right, never probably. have realized its Daytona history, its, its Sebring history in all likelihood because the person, they would have never went and messed with that car. So in in a way... You're probably not going to see a lot of that kind of crazy, you know, did Daytona five times, did Sebring yeah. five times, did Le Mans four times. You're just not going to see that because they're too valuable and the technology moves so fast that you couldn't want to, you wouldn't want to compete with that car five years down the road yeah. at, at Lamar or Daytona. Does that sound like a true statement? I think there's less development, yeah, of the same car, as you say. I know that in in some forms of racing where there's like single seater tubs, they're reusing things that were race winners, and they just because I, I think that that's economics. But but I think you're right. Anything that has, especially a successful outing like a class win or an overall win, you're right that you, you talk about Rick Hendrick or something. There's no he's not going to ruin a Daytona 500 winner if that if that happens for him. Mm-hmm. They're definitely just going to build another car. Um, 
so yeah, no, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how things go now that the, the team owners, the car owners, and everybody else knows that there is collectability in competition cars after their after their racing is done, which we, as you say, we all know now. Well, let's uh, give you guys a plug. Geared online, uh, bidding's going to open uh, at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Pacific time uh, this Monday, and then it's going to close at uh, noon Pacific time uh, that, that Friday. And uh, the website, goodingco.com, and you can shoot them a tweet at uh, Gooding and Co. Lots of really interesting cars, and I think now's, now's the time to uh, have something tangible in your portfolio, people. Uh, David Hans, uh, thanks for joining us as per usual. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for having us. We shall. We will talk soon, my friends. All right, Matt, uh, hit McGuire's yeah. there, would you please? Yeah, car waxes have come a long way. Last year, McGuire's introduced their hybrid ceramic spray wax. Its advanced SiO2 hybrid technology delivers ceramic wax protection and durability. There's no rubbing, curing, or buffing, and it provides extreme water beating action. This year, McGuire's has launched their liquid version. It seals the paint for long-lasting protection against the elements. It's super easy to use and applies like a traditional liquid wax. Now they also have their hybrid ceramic spray detailer, which I love. It removes contaminants like dust, fingerprints, bird droppings, and helps to boost you know, gloss and enhance don't protection. Quiet. People don't need to wash your cars anymore. Use a goddamn uh, spray just, detailer. Just, that's just it. go in your garage yeah. and wipe your car down. I, I tell someone to do it all the time. It's like... If you haven't been off-roading, just use a spray detailer. Yeah. Save some water. All right. Sorry, I'm go. with you on it. And uh, uh, it's, you know, it's ceramic made easy. It's by Meguiar's. It's available pretty much everywhere, Any every store. All right. So what else is going on in uh, in our world? we got the 510 getting ready. Um, yeah. we got the 510 getting ready. And uh, the wheels are going to be interesting to see when we, when we get back. we got a nice run group going on. Probably about 20 or so cars in that group. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. And then, you know, as we were touching on earlier this week, Goldberg and I were talking about the future of events, and we're not really sure what's going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems to be turning more into, uh, like, health is, is – the safety issue is always at the top of the list. But it's not the only thing by any means, right? There's, there's politics. There's money. There's all kinds of things going on. And CES yeah. has already said they're going to go all virtual for, for January. So everybody – Get your video presentations, everything ready. They canceled but, Indy at Laguna Seca yeah, in, September. in September. Do we need to cancel outdoor events? I mean, I guess everyone's just like, oh, fuck California. Like, I, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Is that, is that what's I, going on? I, it kind of feels like because they keep doing events and they keep racing even without spectators and, and stuff. But this event, they're not even going to do it all. I, that, to me, feels like they just couldn't come to any conclusion in a room of meeting of the minds, you know? Right. Um I assume uh, Indy 500 is still happening because it sounds like a lot of people are trying to get together to make that happen. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the politicians, the race organizers, they're all trying to find a way to make it happen. And- <laughs> well, it's interesting that there's like three modes politicians can be in. They can be in, I don't want this to happen mode, which is what we're here in LA and California. They can be in a neutral mode, which is, all right, Tell me why it should happen. And then they can be in the best mode, which is let's make this happen. And and whatever it is, if they're in let's make it happen mode, it, it'll magically happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, if they're in it's not going to happen mode, you, good luck convincing them or showing them data or science or anything like yeah. that. They're just it's not going to happen mode. Right. So, you know. Texas and other states are a little more in the let's make it happen mode and California is in a let's not make it happen mode. And thus, that's where we're at. Now, everyone will give you reasons. But once you're not if you're the parent that doesn't want to go to Disneyland with your kid, that kid's not going to Disneyland. If you're the parent that does want to go, then the kid's going. And if you're the kid who's sort of neutral, then you you can talk to the kid like, all right, your birthday's coming up in a month and a half. We'll go then. Our government is in the parent who doesn't want to go to Disneyland mode. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a bit of that, which is, I don't know. It's also, well, all of these events that we're talking about, they're all just kind of elective events. It's not like they're going to green light IndyCar at Laguna Seca and then everybody has to go and everyone's at risk. Right. 
Uh, okay, you don't have to go if you, you don't, don't have to go. go. Right. And there's going to be plenty of rules in place if you do want to go. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. goddamn lootly. All right. Let's see. What else do we got? Uh, what are we? Well, uh, we can get into a little bit uh, more at some point about our trip to Snap On. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we went to Chicago and uh, Wisconsin and. Mm. Visited Snap On, yeah. which, by the way, their parking lot's kind of a ver- kind of a car show going on in the <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> I want to say some of the uh, some of the bosses over there, the Ferraris and Porsches and all kinds of stuff. Well, there was the one cool truck with the with the fenders. You with see, the, with the there, there is you know we're used to we're L.A. people, so I never see <laughs> that rust. But you get to Wisconsin and there's a truck out there. I think it was a. Dodge. Uh, it was a Dodge, yeah. I was going to say, and it had literally had both fenders completely eaten away. Just Not, gone. It was gone to the point where it was, you know, crawling up the car. I mean, it was essentially suspension exposed. <laughs> like there was nothing left. On for some reason, the left side of the car was much worse than the right side of the car. But that was the first thing yeah, I noticed. I don't know. He hits the carpool lane on the way to work. Maybe it's a little more kick up over on that on that side of the. Of uh of the salt and whatever is going yeah. on, who don't, knows? Don't I don't know, know, but it was like it was in the same row as that nice uh, nine eleven turbo, that silver one with the red interior. Yeah, there, it's it's so it's just, <laughs> it's a it's an interesting place because just one huge parking lot, and there's Ferraris. I mean, the cars out there that are worth three hundred grand, and the cars that are out there that are worth way less than five hundred bucks. Yeah, like that that truck. It's yeah. not worth 600 bucks, right? It was not worth, but I will say this about the guys is I love the enthusiasm for the company. Yes. Everybody there was like, we're a hundred years. We're all about brand. We're all about legacy. And, you know, like, look at our museum and like, yeah, I don't even is. know They're where, like, I don't even know where to begin to try to explain to uh, lay people what snap on is yeah. or when you go there, what it's like. But I, I will say to everyone listening, it is just a thousand times more impressive than you even think. It, and it's it, it, their museum is an example of like the American dream that was promised or like a hundred years ago, we started with this because right. we felt the need, we needed a swappable tool with, right. with bits. And then you just see like the walls and walls of the progress of what they've done. And it's just like, it's exactly what you want. Incredible. All right. Let me wrap it up with JB Weld here. DIY projects to get through. Want to save some money? Would you like to avoid the Noid? That is the <laughs> repairman who shows up. Big or small repairs, home or garage. Ordinary household glue. Well, it's got the word ordinary right in the title. I got a better choice for you. I got JB Weld. I use this stuff all the time. Everyone here, Dawson, uses it all the time. I use it all the time. Uh, I know the owner. Hung out with these guys at SEMA. It was very uh, organic. Walked over to the J.B. Weld booth, started talking adhesives, mm-hmm. like the guy's story. And the guy said, oh, well, come on as a sponsor. It's I, a- I use Super Weld to yes. fix my masks because the, the, the oh, little the strings, strength, that, yeah, oh, the elastic straps, I glued them back on. I don't want to spend more money on a mask. You, my friend, are a winner. <laughs> Keep J.B. Weld in the toolbox or the kitchen drawer. Don't glue it, man. J.B. Weld it. JBWeld.com. Home Depot is where you get it. Lowe's, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, Walmart, Amazon, Michaels, and more. All right. Uh, let's see. San Antonio. Laugh out loud. Uh, tonight, I will be doing uh, a live podcast and then stand-up after that as well. Uh, when are you going to get your hair cut? <laughs> During the day. <laughs> the after, are you going to get the dinner? Are you going to get uh, some steak? <laughs> Greg, Greg Gutfeld's going to be on uh, the live pod tonight. Probably a couple tickets left uh, to that. Stand up while. Ben, uh, ben Shapiro's on tonight. Greg Gutfeld's on tomorrow. Oh, oh, did I screw that up? It's tonight and tomorrow. I right. got I do too many podcasts. I thought this thing yeah. came out on Saturday. Comes out Friday? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. How long has it been coming out on Friday? Yeah, it's only 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> what time does it come out Friday? No, it, it used to come out Saturdays, and then probably four years ago, we switched it to Friday. So, so. is it like midnight, Thursday night, like Friday East Coast? Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, does it have... Yeah, it, usually midnight. Oh, okay. Midnight East Coast. All right. Well, then tonight. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow night, then uh, Ben Shapiro will be tonight and Friday, and then uh, Saturday, Gutfeld will be on there, and uh, go out and check that out. And I'm your emotional support animal. It's my book. It's on Amazon. Leave a review. I read them and uh, listen to the audio book as well. Tempe Improv coming up on the 18th and 19th. 
we uh, rescheduled that one for live stand-up as well. So, uh, what do you got for plugs, Motorator? Yeah, that's it right there. Go to Motorator on uh, social media. I'll keep posting images, and I'll show you the Polestar. Yeah, it's nice. It's pretty good. So, until next time, Adam Pearl for David Gooding and Hans Wurl and uh, Matt the Motorator DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening to CarCast. Like we said, more c- cool stuff coming up later this week uh, in the studio with myself and uh, and Adam Carolla. Uh, right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You could be saving money as well. There's never been a better time now to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Just visit Geico.com.